1: all right welcome to a new episode of sixers daily i'm your host jazz kang before we jump into things don't forget subscribe to the liberty ballers podcast network you can catch us wherever you get your fix always appreciate a five-star review as well and also don't forget check us out at libertyballers.com been a little quiet in sixers land lately but that's going to pick up once we get through the nba finals philly does have the number 23 pick in the nba draft joining me to talk a little bit about the team in general we'll have some eagles talk as well he used to contribute to Liberty Ballers, now the managing editor <laughs> of the machine that we have is SB Nation of Bleeding Green Nation, Mr. Brandon Lee Gelton, better known as BLG. Brandon, how you doing, my man?
2: Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. I think it's been about 10 years since I was really doing things uh, mainstream, like full focus uh, on Liberty Ballers. Only a part-time contributor there, but wow, it's crazy for me to look back and think it's been that much time, but uh, always happy to be here back at Liberty Ballers.
1: See, the weird part is, Brandon, what people don't know is for those of us who work in sports media, it's always this weird, windy road. You know what I mean? Unless you're Kenny Albert, Marv Albert's son, or somebody else, you know what I mean? For the rest of us, it's kind of like this weird journey and you have to take on all these roles to ultimately end up somewhere that you feel good about. So when you look at your last, like you just mentioned, more than a decade now, what do you think of when, when you see the progress you've made and where you're at currently compared to where you were at more than a decade ago?
2: Well, I have to apologize to my mom first of all who always uh, <laughs> believed in me and she was like you can do anything. and uh and I just I didn't think it was possible at the time when I was young and foolish and uh make no mistake, you know, I feel like I got pretty lucky in a lot of regards. Um, But I feel like I also worked really hard along the way, and you know things kind of fell in place at a very convenient time. Um, I started out at Liberty Ballers, like I mentioned, and kind of was using that as a way to get my foot in the door at SB Nation and get on to Bleeding Green Nation, which I did, and then was hoping to bide my time there until maybe something opened up at the top, which there was no guarantee that was ever going to happen. But it happened to uh, at a very fortuitous time for me, so I took advantage, and all these years later, here I still am.
1: When you look at this and we'll jump into some Sixers talk in in a second here, but uh, BLG, I want to get your opinion on this, too, because like you mentioned, you've been doing this for quite some time. How has the sports media landscape changed over the past decade for you? Like, uh, how have the changes been in terms of how you cover sports and particularly the Eagles and Philly sports? Like, where do you think the biggest jump has been made in terms of looking at the sports journalism landscape?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I think things have shifted significantly. I wouldn't say it's entirely different. There's some core things that stay the same. Um, but there's also a lot of things I think I've learned along the way. And obviously, I think we're on the precipice of new things with, you know, TikTok being really big. And I think that's, you know, a lot of that stuff is untapped still. And we haven't even seen the full force of that, especially when it kind of comes to like specifically for us, the SB Nation, and are are working into that. So uh, I think there's a, a lot of exciting emerging things that are again video and Twitch and YouTube and and TikTok and all these things. Um, but, you know, what still is there is, is Twitter, obviously, is a big thing for sometimes good, sometimes bad. Um, and I think the passion is obviously still always there, which is great to see. Um, and is, is something that really excites you and keeps you invigorated covering uh, teams for so long. So um, a lot of good, I think, still to a lot of good things over the years that i've seen and um it's really kind of just been an interesting study in uh fandom i think over this course of time in terms of like you know how do fans really interact how do how do fans feel i think uh, i think about that kind of stuff a lot i think there's been a, a big shift towards homerism which is, is fine in some <laughs> ways and and like and i get it because like. Being a fan, like that's part of it. You don't want to just like rag on the team all the time. But it's funny for people like us because, you know, I think we, not to say we're like the big J journalist and we can't uh, have an opinion and, and can't have, you know, rooting interests and stuff. But obviously, I think we try to look at things as a more objective lens. Where you know we might want, like we can say go Sixers or whatever, but we can also say, hey, they made a really bad move, and or hey, I think they're going in the wrong direction right now. Uh, just for example, I'm not necessarily saying they are. Um, so I think it's it's a very layered thing.
1: Well, BLG, after the playoffs ended, some people might have said, and with Doc Rivers being retained, that maybe they are going <laughs> in the in the wrong direction. So I uh, wanted to get your opinion on that. Obviously, the season's been over for about a month now. Looking back at that, and I remember when they made the James Harden trade on deadline day and the excitement and the 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 way people were looking at this squad which is that okay it's championship or bust at that point right everybody gave him a pass if they ended up hanging on to ben simmons through the deadline i think a second round uh exit would have been okay would have been acceptable people would have been disappointed but with harden that level of disappointment goes a little bit higher so when you look back at the sixers time especially since they made that deal and the way things ended with with a couple of terrible performances against Miami in, in games five and six. How disappointing was that for you to see? And, and, and were you expecting them to be at least a conference finalist or a championship contender with Harden in the lineup?
2: It was such a weird year for me because I didn't watch a single game until Ben Simmons was off the team. I had this. I had said at the end of the Hawks series the year prior, I cannot watch the Sixers until Ben Simmons is gone. I don't care if he's like not out in the court. I just He can't be part of the team and me still an any kind of interest because anytime I would watch them, it would just remind me of him and it would just make me frustrated. And it would make me frustrated that you know Joel Embiid and the rest of the team are out there performing and this one guy is holding the team back. So I, I just couldn't do it. I made that vow to myself. And that's like the first time I hadn't watched the Sixers in maybe 10 years plus, like with some kind of regularity. Um, so I was excited for the James Harden trade in part because like, yes, I can finally actually watch the Sixers again and not feel super frustrated about it. And it was so fun when he he came out against Minnesota and then there was the Knicks game and he looked great. And I had, I had been a big proponent of the Sixers training for Harden the year prior. I really thought Embiid and him were going to be a great fit. I just thought they were going to unlock each other's games. And we saw that early on. And obviously it just didn't really last. Um, we can talk about Harden being injured and fine. Maybe he was, but like. Is he ever going to be healthy? You know, so there's so many long term concerns, I think. And, you know, I was I was into it in the playoffs. I was uh, shouting, cursing the storm up on Twitter after Joel Embiid hit that game winning shot in Toronto. Uh, (laughs) I I had a lot of belief in the team, not necessarily that they were going to win the finals, but yeah, probably make the conference finals or at least have a, a real chance at that. And then, obviously, kind of just got taken away with Joe getting hurt and Harden ultimately being cooked. So, uh, so some real ups and downs in terms of uh, how I felt about the team in this season.
1: Well, when you, when you look at Joel Embiid, and I know you're you're a big fan of his, and I think you know everybody in, in Philly pretty much all is. He all got the most valuable Philadelphian award. I mean, whatever that means to means to him <laughs> from uh, from City Council there. But um, looking at his tenure so far, uh, obviously missed his first couple of seasons dealing with injuries. Came in, you know, towards the end of the of the process time and things were were starting to hash out which direction the team was gonna go. Has made himself into an MVP candidate year in and year out, but has failed to get past the second round. When you look at him and former sixer Eric Snow talked about this recently uh during an interview, saying, Hey, even though he's 2028, 20, big men do age a lot worse than than guards do. And you look at him, he might have three, four years left in his prime. Do you think he's getting frustrated at all? Obviously, I'm not saying that you're in his head, but when you look at the at the position that he's in right now, if the Sixers aren't able to elevate, right? Harden, we're assuming chances are very likely that he's going to opt in, sign an extension with the, with the organization. But when you look at Embiid, do you think it's imperative that the Sixers show some progress over the next year or two? Otherwise, he might look at this and be like, look, I'm not going to be able to win a championship here and might want to move on.
2: Absolutely, I mean, there's a precedent for that, right? It's not like players just stick where they are, are super unhappy for long times. Um, it happens, I guess, sometimes too, but it's definitely not uh, the only outcome. And it's real unfortunate. I just, I guess, I don't know where the path forward for the Sixers is. It's kind of just like hope, and hope is not a good strategy. And it's tough. It's, I think, a lot of this is a result of all the mismanagement that went on and kind of just like the sloppy um mishandling of you know the end of the same hinky era and and you know brian calangelo and all the things he bots, like all those things kind of add up it wasn't necessarily like there was one disaster move although there were some pretty bad moves with markel Foltz and whatnot and the zaire smith pick you know you can kind of go on Um, but all those kind of missteps that they took are adding up. And I think they're really manifesting now in a roster that just like, isn't very good outside of Joel Embiid. And obviously Harden is still a a good player, um, but he's not, you know, the James Harden, they really necessarily need him to be, especially with this contract looming. So it's, it's just tough. I I can absolutely see why Joel Embiid would be frustrated. And not not only that, I feel like a lot of Sixers fans could too, not that, Sixers fans would obviously ever be rooting to lose him but like i think there would be a certain point here where it's like yeah i can't feel ba- I, I i don't blame joe for wanting out because i i what else is he supposed to do like he, he's trying to pursue a championship and it's not looking like the path is clear here it doesn't mean again it's not possible but it's just not looking very like clear at all um and maybe some things turn around um maybe daryl moore is able to kind of make things work but it doesn't feel great and i'm all about vibes here and the, the vibes are just not amazing so it's i can't really blame him and i do think he can reach that point i hope it doesn't
1: when you look at doc rivers Brendan, like obviously he has his fair share of critics out there and it's it's well deserved at this point right i mean yeah he won that title with with the celtics in 08 took him again to the final in in, in 2010 and then we saw him botch ton of good teams with the with the Lob City era with the Clippers came over to the Sixers after blowing that 3-1 lead in the in the bubble and we've seen the same type of things lack of adjustments lack of imagination lack of forward thinking when you look at Daryl Morey and the and the organization why do you think they're so uh, committed to keeping Doc around
2: I wish I knew. That's a great question. <laughs> um I haven't been like the biggest fired dot guy just from a standpoint of I really don't think the coach matters a ton. It matters definitely more than not at all, but you know, a, t- a coach can really only take you so far, maybe unless it's you're getting someone special. But I guess that's part of the argument to replace him, right? Is like, okay, we know what Doc Rivers is, I think. And that's, I think, part of the value that he gives you. If, you're, if you want me to answer your question, he gives you a floor. He's not one of the, you know, top or he's not one of the bottom 10 coaches in the NBA. He's just not that bad. I think, you know, even the biggest doc haters have to give him some level of credit there. Uh, you know, you look at their success in the regular season and whatnot. And uh, that's ultimately not satisfying and good enough. And again, I'm not saying it should save his job and it shouldn't because I think the the Sixers should be aiming higher. They should be looking for someone who could potentially be better and special. And I guess at a very basic level, the, the thing that I think about most is like, where does Doc Rivers give the Sixers an edge? And I'm kind of failing to see that. And I feel like, again, coaching can only go so far in the NBA but I think some of these top assistant or some of these top guys, some of them former assistants with the Sixers, um, I just think there's there's potential there for someone to be better. And it would be interesting to me to see, you know, what could be different. Like, look, the Sixers, I, I just don't know how they run it back with Harden and MB. And Doc Rivers and expect different results. Obviously, they can make some tweaks elsewhere to the roster, hopefully, but like for a large part, you're keeping the core pieces the same. And I just don't know how you're going to get different results out of that. The easiest thing you can do is fire the coach. We just saw this with the Phillies. Like, it's not the exact same situation. The Phillies fire their manager. All of a sudden, they go on a little run here. You know, we'll see if that lasts. But the point is, like, I feel like that's the first logical step you could take. And it isn't requiring this big change that you would have to do elsewhere. So I think it's just the easy move. I hope they hire Quinn Snyder. I hope somehow that is something that exists out there. But I'll believe it when I see it.
1: Yeah, i'm not going to hold my breath and as you mentioned we've seen you know monty williams make the finals he's a former assistant under brett brown we saw Ime Aduka doing that now with the celtics so again if frustrating from a fan perspective that you got these guys who have shown that they're top tier coaches and you're kind of going with a retread who again hasn't done anything for a decade uh blg i wanted to ask you this i know you said you haven't didn't watch a ton of sixers games after you know with, with ben simmons on the roster and why would you want to uh the guy was a jackass that t- topic for a <laughs> different day but you're looking at tyrese Maxey. he averaged 17 and a half points this season looked great from where he was uh compared to his rookie year coming in as a number 21 pick and we just saw him develop now the expectation for tyrese is hey you should be the next level is you're gonna be in the mix for an all-star team. And they want people want to continue to see him grow. And he's still so young. He's only 21 years old, will turn 22 in November. But now we're hearing, as you mentioned, Quinn Snyder leaving the Utah Jazz, that a guy like Donovan Mitchell might want out of Salt Lake City. So when you're looking at this, and again, the Sixers have a, a ton of issues when it comes to the step-in rule, when it comes to their draft picks, not gonna be able to trade their first round picks in 2024 and 2026 2025 that one's going to OKC and 2027 that one goes to Brooklyn as a part of this Harden deal but if you could find a way to maybe include Tyrese Maxey to get a guy like Donovan Mitchell would you want to do that from a Sixers perspective
2: He has to be a clear upgrade and I've never been the, like the biggest Mitchell guy in terms of necessarily believing, you know, he's a one a one B kind of championship Mm -hmm. player. Admittedly, I haven't seen enough Utah jazz basketball to have like, you know, the best opinion on him specifically. But I think like, taking a step back from a broader approach i mean maxi should absolutely be you know on the table to be traded but it would have to be some kind of you know significant move some kind of clear move that takes you a step forward not something you know that's going to be like lateral or close and i don't know if that kind of deal gets done um i i believe in tyrese maxi a lot i think his biggest supporters if those people told you they saw the kind of jump he made uh, this year coming, I would—I think they're lying. I don't think anyone saw that. I think it was crazy how he really stepped up in some key moments. And now, you know, he's really young. So I'm about to say, like, okay, there were some times in the playoffs too where I think it was a little too much feast or famine. Like he was usually just going off completely and being awesome or kind of just being invisible for a little bit. Like I think obviously some of that has to – we need to see him improve in that regard, and maybe he can because, yes, he is really young. Um, so – I would, you know, lean on betting on Maxi and hoping we can see more from him, unless there's like a no-brainer kind of trade out there. Um, maybe that would be Mitchell. I don't know. I, I kind of I'm on the fence more about that. And I feel like to for me, it would just have to be like a slam dunk uh yes. So um yeah, that's where I'm at with it.
1: Yeah. That's something I think we're going to have to keep an eye on too, because Mitchell obviously an East coast guys from New York and Philly's plenty close there too. So I wonder how much interest there would be on, on both points. I'm with you. Haven't seen him really step up his game to be this alpha dog or one of the lead dogs on a championship contender. We've seen Utah have great regular seasons and then flame out Mm -hmm. in the postseason. He obviously has those issues with Rudy Gobert. So uh, again, I, I think Donovan Mitchell in the short run, Better player than Tyrese Maxey a year or two from now, three years from now, that might be up for debate. Uh, BLG, let's take a break here. I want to jump into some Eagles talk. They obviously had a very, very busy offseason. We'll jump into that and some more coming up in about a minute.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: All right, we're back. BLG, we talked a little bit about the Sixers there before the break. Wanted to jump into your forte. As I mentioned, you are the managing editor at Leading Green Nation, one of our biggest sites at SB Nation. Looking at this Eagle squad obviously surpassed expectations last season jalen hurts came in they made they made it to the playoffs lost in the in, in the opener but looking at this squad now made a ton of moves over the offseason but in hassan reddick who's, who's a, a great pass rusher although in my opinion a little bit overpaid um did did convince Flet- fletcher cox to to take a pay cut and then you're looking at the rest of the squad aj brown coming in from the titans one of the best receivers in the game joining Devonte smith who i know you have a i'm not going to mention the word for but uh well, when you look at this this eagle squad and you look at the moves how he make nick sirianni obviously in in charge there in terms of being the head coach when you look at this squad and, and training camp, still a couple of months away, how do you grade the Eagles offseason for what they did leading up to week one?
2: Yeah, I think it's like an A, like even A, uh, A minus. It's in that territory. It's hard to hate too much of what they did. I point to the Fletcher Cox resigning, giving him 14 million as an obvious unforced error and misstep. Um, I think resigning Derek Barnett wasn't the greatest thing. I know the money isn't a lot, but still, I just don't love that move. Um, But if we kind of look at those two things as the worst things, and then we look at, okay, they got Jordan Davis. They got an extra first-round pick next year from the Saints. Oh, and and also a second in 2024 as well. Um, uh, N'Kobe Dean, they got him on day three. They added A.J. Brown, one of the best receivers, arguably a top-10 receiver in the NFL. Uh, I have to give it to Howie. Thought he had a really good offseason. He improved the team in a number of ways. You're never going to have a perfect roster. So, yes, they still have a hole, an obvious hole, or two of them, at safety. Um, but, you know, they, they have some guys there that might be able to step up and might be able to get by with that. And if the pass rush, which should be improved when you're adding Hassan Reddick in there, um, I, I do think, you know, that may, could make life easier on the backhand a little bit. And obviously the corners are pretty good with Darius Slay and now James Bradbury here as well. So all around, you know, Howie Roseman uh, has gotten a lot of criticism and a lot of it has been deserved, but I think he's done some of his best work when people have been criticizing him as opposed to the other way around. So uh, kudos to Howie and kudos to the Eagles front office for making a lot of this happen.
1: Well, when you look at the, at the Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, dynamic obviously like you mentioned AJ brown one of the one of the best receivers in the game and Devonte smith showed a ton in 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 his rookie year when, when you look at at those two together are you worried at all about some dynamic that might affect Devonte smith's development having aj brown there are you pretty confident this this is going to work out
2: i'm pretty confident and obviously maybe <laughs> i'm extremely biased towards Devonte smith as you alluded to but um <laughs> I mean, just it's one day of OTA practice, but just already, you know, Devontae Smith looked really good and just in sync with Jalen Hurts, whereas AJ Brown and uh, uh, Jalen Hurts weren't quite on the same page. And again, I don't, that's not like a, a cause for alarm. It's the first OTA practice. Um, you know, those guys have a lot of offseason still to work on their chemistry and timing and everything. And it was only like an hour of practice anyway. So that's a small sample. But uh, I, I do think Devontae Smith is going to be really good. I think he is being underrated. I forget the number. I think it was something like 38 players were targeted more than Devonte Smith last year in the NFL. And that just doesn't make any sense to me because he is a really good player. I always like to bring up how not really like to, but I do bring up how he didn't even have a target really in the first half of that bucks game uh, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It was until like, like less than two minutes remaining in the first half. Like that's insane. Like what are the Eagles doing? They clearly didn't force feed him the ball enough. I hope they kind of learned from that. I think AJ Brown being here will, you know, kind of take some of the better corners off of Devontae Smith at times. And if not, if they're going to keep the better corners on Devontae, then great. AJ Brown's going to have some big opportunities. So uh, I, I expect big things out of both of those guys. It'll be interesting to see. Like the bigger question here is, you know, how is this offensive philosophy going to change? Because we saw last year Eagles' heaviest passing team in the league until they had to pivot to being the heaviest run team after they realized the passing wasn't really working for them. I don't think they want to be a a run the football team all the time. Uh, Ideally, I do think they want to see Jalen Hurts kind of prove that he can kind of lead this team with his arm more, especially with a potential contract extension looming for him down the road. So it's going to be a big test for Jalen Hurts and if he can kind of handle that extra responsibility.
1: Yeah, want to jump into him next. Like you you look at him, and i am i am a I'm a 49ers fan, so I've had to go through the Jimmy Garoppolo experience, which is bought of tons of highs <laughs> and a tons of lows. Although again, a Super Bowl appearance at an NFC championship. Can't complain about that in the bigger picture, but you can if your team hasn't won in 27 years. So looking at at Jalen Hurts, uh you mentioned him, had a had a good year last last season, 16 touchdowns, uh just nine picks, completed over 60 percent of his passes but again a lot of inconsistency there now he has the weapons right you mentioned A.J. Brown we talk about Devontae Smith they got Dallas Goddard all these guys there that are going to make his life easier but when you look at what you've seen from him over his first couple of seasons in the league are you confident he could be the guy to lead the Eagles on a deep postseason run
2: I'm really not yet because I mean I, I always boil it down to this so maybe if you've If you listener, if you've ever heard me say this before, sorry for being repetitive. But my thing with him is like, who were the good quarterbacks slash good teams he's beaten? Because I think you point to like Matt Ryan or Teddy Bridgewater being like the the best quarterbacks he beat last year. The Saints were nearly a playoff team, but they were starting Trevor Simeon when he played them. Like, like, Like he has not gone out. And I know quarterbacks don't play each other directly. It doesn't work like that, but still, like he has not gone up against a top quarterback and outperformed that player and specifically just 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 take it in the context of the division like When he's gone up against the Cowboys, the Eagles' biggest rival, he's gotten blown out both times, and that's pretty bad, and that's pretty annoying for Eagles fans. So I just think he needs to prove that before I can believe he's going to go out there and do that. And look, I like Jalen Hurts. I really do. I, I'm skeptical about him, absolutely. That does not mean I hate him. I like him. I think he's very likable, rootable. He's all the intangibles. I just kind of question like if he has the passing ability, uh, the, the ability to do that at a high level, to be that kind of franchise guy. And I hope he does. I hope he kind of proves me wrong and he works out. But I'm not gonna just believe it until I see it.
1: Where do you think he has to take the biggest step in his game, BLG, when you look at his development and in order to maybe answer those questions, like for people like you and 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 plenty of others out there who are like, we gotta see more from him? And where where do you look at the one aspect of his game he really needs to improve in order for him to take the next step in his career?
2: So the past two years, he's held the ball longer than any quarterback. And I think some of that is. You know, he's obviously blessed with the athleticism and mobility to kind of make plays with his legs. So naturally, there's he's, not, he's never going to have the fastest release in the NFL, and that's fine. He doesn't have to be that, but he has to be somewhere above the slowest release in the NFL. Because I think some of that is a product of not seeing the field well and not processing quickly and not making good decisions. And now Jalen Hurts has talked about how he's been in different offensive systems, which I don't love him making that comment. Like, let other people make the excuses for you, but whatever. Um, there's some validity to it. And uh, maybe there is something to him kind of being more comfortable in this offense year two of being with Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen and figuring things out. I think I saw some of that in the OTA practice that Eagles had last week. He was kind of making some quicker decisions, which is encouraging to see, but you know, he really hasn't utilized the middle of the field, which is a problem. Like It's a big area of the field and he just hasn't really been able to kind of do that yet. So I think kind of being able to make those quicker decisions, that's going to be key for him. Again, it does not have to have the fastest release in the league, but it has to go from like bottom of the league to somewhere above that. And I think that'll go a long way in uh, improving his game.
1: I got to ask you this BLG, if they had the opportunity, let's say, or let's say you're Howie Roseman. He got to be the Eagles GM for a day. Would you rather have Jalen hurts? And this is just for one season only to try and win a Super Bowl next year or next season. Would you rather have Jalen Hurts or Matt Ryan as your quarterback? Hmm.
2: Uh I would go with Jalen Hurts just because I think there's more upside there. Uh Matt Ryan obviously gives you uh, a floor, but never been the biggest Matt Ryan guy. Um obviously, you know, he was he was fantastic when he led the Falcons to the Super Bowl and almost a win at one point, but uh, I, I have just never been the biggest Matt Ryan believer. He doesn't do a whole lot for me. I think with Hurts being so young and having the upside, I think there's a chance he could be something special. I think that's a small chance or not a great chance, um, more, more unlikely than not, but uh, I, I will lean with him just for the upside.
1: When you look at the Eagles season now, you mentioned, Brandon, they've made so many big moves now. Again, the quarterback position, which is the most important. I don't think anybody's denied that. Still some questions there, but you look at where odds makers have the Eagles. According to DraftKings, Eagles have the sixth best odds to win the NFC, just a little bit behind uh, the Cowboys in terms of winning the NFC East. When you look at this as a year for the Eagles that, again, you've, you've added These talented pieces on defense. Clearly, the offense going to be a little bit better in terms of having more playmakers. What do you think would be a successful season for the Eagles?
2: Well, I think when you look at how easy their schedule is, because it's pretty easy. You look at the quarterbacks they play. um, It's it's going to be pretty disappointing if they don't get to like ten wins. Because like I I just again go through their schedule, pick out the wins and losses, and even if you're really negative on this team for some reason. I just don't see how you're like getting them at only like eight wins, seven wins. Like I I don't even know the situation where like it's, this isn't like most teams where, okay, you know, they lose their starting quarterback. It's a lost season. They're only going to win four games, five games, whatever. Again, with Gardner Minshew, even with him, like, you put, project him as the starter and you look at their schedule. I still think they're winning like eight games, nine games or so, maybe even 10. So uh, yeah, I think they clearly have to win double-digit games. I think they have to be competitive in the playoffs. You know, last year, I, I, I hate this talking point by the Eagles. They're like, we made the playoffs three out of the last four years. Okay, like, you want to hang a banner for making the <laughs> postseason last year against the Bucks, where you were down 35-0? Like, you barely even were, you weren't even in that game. Like, like you made the playoffs. Okay, sure. But, like, you were never even competitive in the postseason. So, like, they have to at least be competitive. And I'm not going to say, like, they need to win a playoff game because let's say, you know, it's like 20 to 20 and they're going into overtime and, uh you know, the other team hits like a 59-yard field goal. It's like, okay, well, it's the season's a failure because it, it came down to the wire. Like, no, it's not about that. I think we'll know it or we'll see it. Uh, we'll know it when we see it. Um, I, I think they have to kind of be – way they, they have to kind of take a clear step from where they were last year.
1: And you mentioned they have the second easiest strength of schedule uh, oddsmakers them somewhere between eight or nine wins, like you said. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there. As I mentioned, I am a Niners fan, so I don't know what the hell is going to happen with Trey Lance. Uh, when you when you look at the at the bigger NFL landscape, who are the teams you have at the top of the AFC and the NFC that you think are are likely the the Super Bowl contenders?
2: I will be a sucker for years and years to come when it comes to the Chargers. I know the Chargers burn everyone every year, but I believe in Justin Herbert. I think the talent there is real. I think they've had another good offseason. I'm worried about their right tackle position, but whatever. Maybe they can figure that out somehow before the season comes around. Uh, I believe in Herbert too much. I, I think he is going to break through. I know it's a tough division with you know Russ and Mahomes and Derek Carr there, um, but I, I do believe in Herbert, so I like him a lot. And in the NFC, um, you know, look, the, Tom Brady is still a problem. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is still a problem. Those are still very much the guys at the top of this conference. Um, You know, maybe we can see a team break through. Like you said, I have no idea what to make of the Niners. Like Trey Lance could be maybe a sensation. He could also be terrible. Like, I think there's Uh a wide range of outcomes there for San Francisco. So don't really know what to make of them, but uh, I think it's open. I think the point is, especially in the NFC, it's open. Obviously the Packers and Bucks again are at there at the top. They're there. They're scary, but beyond like after that and the Rams, of course, can't forget the defending Super Bowl champs, but you know, I don't think the Eagles are like so far off that they can't kind of make a run at those teams. Again, I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt until I can see them beat the good teams, but they're in position to make a jump and potentially be able to do that.
1: That's funny. The BLG, you mentioned the division that Herbert plays in. You said Derek Carr, you said, uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson. He didn't mention mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, of course. Yeah. So, but, right. uh, um, looking at this, Let's jump into a little bit of personal talk with you. As I mentioned, you, you've been you've been uh, a part of the BGN family for quite some time, rejoined it in, in, in 2017, and kind of taken things from there. When you look back at that 2018 Super Bowl win uh, for the Eagles, where does that rank for you amongst best sports memories, and what did you do that night after work to celebrate?
2: Oh, man. Uh, I, was, I was in the stadium at okay. U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota, um, I will never forget when Brandon Graham strip sack Tom Brady because all that that literally from the Eagles looking like they were going to beat the Vikings and then beating the Vikings in the NFC Championship game, I knew they were going to win the Super Bowl. Like there's no doubt in my mind, and that wasn't me in my mind being a homer. I just I genuinely felt that way. I did like, and I'm not confident about anything, <laughs> but I was confident about this <laughs> yeah, more than butt, yeah. I, I just felt it. I was like, I know they're gonna, I know they're gonna win. Um, and I, the only moment that I had a doubt was when the Patriots got the ball back. And before the, the grand and grand strip sack. And I, I was like, they're, they're going to blow it because like, we just saw Tom Brady come back against the Falcons of the year prior. And like, I, and the Eagles hadn't gotten to stop all game. They didn't force a single point. Of course he was going to go march down the field and get them at least three points and probably a touchdown. So, um, for Brandon Graham to do that, I just turned to the person sitting next to me, a former Espionation employee, Ryan Van Bibber at the time. And I just started shaking him. And that is very, <laughs> not like my personality. I'm not like high strung. Uh, emotive a motive person. Um, but I, I was just losing my mind in that moment. And then just seeing the confetti fly in the field after uh Tom Brady's last pass was incomplete. His Hail Mary attempt uh to Gronk or, or Edelman or whoever was in the area there. Um, I, I just like couldn't believe it. I was just looking at the field, I was watching the confetti drop. I was like, I I never thought I would see this moment, and uh I just didn't know what to do. I was just sitting there in my laptop and I was like, I don't know what to do. They just <laughs> won the Super Bowl. I thought they were going to do this, but Feeling it in the moment. I just, I was like a state of shock and uh, it was incredible. It was an incredible night. Um, Just getting the shuttle back to the hotel. I I still couldn't believe it. Uh, It was crazy. Um, Yeah.
1: Were you you trying to maintain professionalism and what did you do when you got back to the hotel is the real question here.
2: (laughs) I was so tired. I was so tired (laughs) because the, the way the shuttle worked, like we didn't get out of there. I feel like until like 2 AM and I had to wake up early the next morning to catch a flight. So I barely slept. I, I think, I, you know, I just went to bed um, and slept like four hours. Maybe if that got up early the next day, had a super tough time getting home with like delayed flights and everything and didn't get back home until like uh, for over 24 hours. Like, like I got to the airport at like 11 on that Monday and didn't get home in Philly until like 3 p.m. in the afternoon on Tuesday. It was terrible. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a crazy time. Uh, I will never that's that's going to be the highlight. That's, that's always going to be the highlight of my career that I was able to do that. It was it was surreal
1: for, for us, non Eagles fans. At what point does the Philly special become played out?
2: That's a good question, because I really do think the Brandon Graham trip sack like that to me is the bigger play that people like it doesn't get enough love. Yeah, like the Philly special is the glitz and the glam. And obviously it's it's a pretty like epic moment because it's it's fourth and goal. Um, they're going for it. They call this trick play. Like there's a lot of stuff there that I get it, but, but yeah, I, I think it is just a little overplayed, um, a little bit, not, you know, not, not entirely. There's obviously a lot of value there, but, um, but yeah, to me, I always hold the Brandon Graham strip sack way much more, uh, fondly.
1: All right. Some personal questions for you, BLG, before you wrap up here, you're a big survivor fan. I want to put you on yes. the spot. Name the first three winners of survivor.
2: Okay. So obviously Richard Hatch in season one, Mhm that's uh tina i believe in season two was that the uh outback australia
1: yeah i was going i was cheering for colby in that one by the way i, I really wanted the one, but yeah you're right and what about season three
2: and three was Visepia.
1: Vesepia, is okay it's ethan ethan's own right That's oh, uh, yeah what am i it's, thinking so you missed that you missed that one Yo, sorry, in season four. Four.
2: yeah yeah my bad that's still, hey yeah. that's
1: still pretty impressive that's still pretty we impressive go. would you ever want to go on survivor
2: no, <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't think I can. It's it's too bad. How could I do that? You know, how could us, you know, in our, our sports, I couldn't imagine being away for like, for like what, like whatever, like a month, over a month um, uh, away from like sports news and stuff. Uh, so probably not, but uh, I, I think about it from time to time, but probably not.
1: Yeah. That shows how, how, how as much as it's fun, we, what we get to do <laughs> but how big of losers we are because we can't yes. live without sports. I'm not looking forward to like, once the NBA uh, the free agency ends and then we get into that lull between basically mid July. And then as you get into training camp, that's like the worst part of the year for me, I wish I was a bear who could hibernate during those weeks. Cause I, I, I miss sports, uh, terribly during that time, uh, you're a food guy, yes. love pizza, yes. favorite two spots in Philly to get pizza.
2: Oh man, I could, I could, this could be like a two hour podcast. (laughs) I could go talk about this forever. People ask me this question because they know I like pizza and then I think they regret it because (laughs) I just give them way too much. I'll keep it simple for you. I really do have a one a and one B in Philly and like you can, and I could flip these on a given day i don't really you know like one above the other um i'll start with angelos everyone loves angelos it's on ninth and Fitzwater. water that's like it's a very basic take that's not like uh creative by me at all but it's great um i really love their upside down it's just everything pizza should be it's great um and then another one that's not directly like in philly exactly like in the city like proper like old city or like south philadelphia or anything but up in maniunk there's a place called pizza john and they do this really good pizza there i get uh i think i forget i guess it's the grandma style i forget exactly what the name of it is but uh it's interesting they do like a sesame seed crust on the bottom it's really good there's pictures on my instagram at brandon galton so you can go check it out there but both of those are like must try those are those are like go out and go out of your way to get kind of great pizzas.
1: All right, BLG, I want to thank you for joining us. I'm going to try those spots next time I'm out in Philly, hoping to be out there again for training camp coming up as well. But I want to thank you for joining us. You've done such a, a great job with with BGN, obviously the radio network there too. So appreciate having you on and would love to do this again too.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, that's Brandon Lee Gowton. He is the managing editor of our sister site at SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, covering the Eagles there. You can catch him on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton. That'll do it for this episode of Sixers Daily. As I mentioned off the top, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, always appreciate a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. deal we'll be back with the Out of Sight Podcast on Tuesday. I'll be back in the hot seat on Thursday, giving you a recap of Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Also going to be touching base with Ricky O'Donnell. He covers the NBA for national basis for us at SB Nation. Going to be talking about what some of the Sixers options are with that number 23 pick. That'll do it for this episode. We'll catch up with you all next time.
0: More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot, Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.
2: Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do.